Welcome to The Fader Interview. I'm Alex Robert Ross, Editorial Director of The Fader. Action Bronson has an insane work ethic. He started his adult life as a chef, but turned rapping from a hobby into a career when an injury took him out of the kitchen. Now 38 and a full decade into that career, he's a day away from dropping his fourth major label LP, Coco Drillo Turbo. In the interim, he starred in three TV shows, had three children, and authored three books, including two New York Times bestsellers. Clearly, whatever Bronson does, he does without compromise. When he started to hit the gym at the top of the pandemic, he lost 127 pounds in about nine months. He smokes, by his own admission, a shitload of weed. On his TV show, Fuck That's Delicious, he had TV cameras follow him around as he ate the world's greatest food. That was the entire premise. His latest written work, 2021's Fuck It, I'll Start Tomorrow, A True Story, is part memoir, part self-help book. But mainly, it's another sketch from the blueprint of his unique philosophy on life, one he's been fleshing out for years through dozens upon dozens of songs about food, drugs, sports, and sex. Coco Drillo Turbo is no exception. It's Bronson in full, uncompromising flow. Earlier this week, I caught up with Bronson to discuss Coco Drillo Turbo and Fuck It, I'll Start Tomorrow. But our conversation turned down far stranger avenues, from hedonism and testosterone to crocodiles and bodyboarding. All right, Action Bronson, what's up, man? Welcome to the Fader Interview Podcast. Thank you, man. How you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling good. Where are you right now? Just in the fucking city. This is your album release week. What do you get like on weeks like this? You like nervous? You energetic? Like what? What's what's the vibe in the like seven days running up to it? I'm very even every single day. I take it minute by minute. I'm happy. I'm excited, but I'm holding it in. Why are you holding it in? What is this fucking Judge Judy? What is this uh, Dr. Phil? <laughs> this is about as close as it gets. I mean, man, if you think that's bad, wait until I get going on like your memoir. Oh my, I don't even know about that. There's no such thing as memoir. I don't know, man. I mean, you build it as a self-help book, but that was a memoir you wrote last year. I didn't build anything, honestly. That's the fucking companies that, that be. They, they, they list things the way they want. But to me, that was a check. For real? Because the real shit happened after that. You'd said, I think it was to the Rolling Stone, you fucking hated writing that book, which I thought was fascinating because reading it, you seemed like somebody who was kind of enjoying that process. You seemed like you were, you were having fun just line by line, no matter telling different stories. Did you really not enjoy it? I didn't enjoy the process because it was tedious and it was fucksome. There was a lot of different things. There was a lot of different angles. The book changed many different times. And at the end of the day, I just left it in my voice, just whatever I was saying. It came out the way it came out, but it was just meant to be, you know, it was like a prelude to a kiss that all needed to come out for things to change. So that's how I call it. That's how I, that's how I view it. Change is never an easy process. Did you know at the beginning of that process, all right, I need to do this so I can change? Or, or was it something that you realized as you were doing it? Yeah, nah, I realized that afterwards, I just read that was kind of like a catalyst, you know, because I was like reminiscing about crazy shit and like, like, what the fuck is wrong? What the hell am I doing? Like, these are the stories I'm telling. I left out millions of stories 
That's why we need to keep doing 20 books. But it's enough with that type of shit, man. Enough, enough fucking writing things. Enough talking about things. It's just time to get down to fucking business. I'm just sick of fucking talking about shit. People don't do enough fucking movement. They love to talk. There are points in that book where you're talking about like, we had like a four hour break in the middle of a day when you're shooting a film with Pete Davidson, right? And you remember that when you're writing the book that you're like, you're pissed off that you had to spend a couple of hours just fucking sitting down because you could have been in the studio. You could have been working. I tell this story many times. I'm fucking pissed off right now hearing about it because I was there fucking 12 hours for nothing. I, my studio was literally in Brooklyn. We were filming in Brooklyn. It just fucking needed me. Hey, listen, what do you want me to do? I'm, it was an opportunity. I'm not the type of guy that, I'm not a diva, but I'm just a fucking realist. Let's be serious here. I'll fucking come right back. You know, like, like, trust me, I'll be right here and I'll come right back. It's no big deal. I like to be comfortable. I like to be, I like to have my own way. I like my, my own ways. I'm comfortable in my ways. I also go out of my fucking, I go out of my ways, but I'm, I know what I like. And I know what, how, how to get the best of me. The way that you get the best out of yourself is work, right? Like you, you work. It, it's not just like, you don't talk about like, I wish I knew that I had that time off so that I could like, hang out with my guys in Brooklyn. You're like, I want to be in the studio. Like, yeah. Everything is work. You know, for me, every, every moment there's, a, you know, could be a moment that changes everything, you know, with, with a thought and then that taking that into execution. So I don't waste any fucking time and I don't take it lightly. So when I say I'm working, I'm working. There is a similar atmosphere, I think, on a record as there is in a book, which is that this feels like somebody who's really enjoying himself, right? You don't make it feel like work. When I first started doing music, it was like I had so much in me, it was so new, you know, it was like just was pouring out. Now it pours out in moments and I have to capture those moments. So I treat each one of those moments extremely special because I don't do it as often as I used to. I still try and get in every year, you know, maybe twice a year, hopefully at some point twice a year, but I let it come to me. I don't just, I don't force it, you know? I am doing so many other things, but they all link together. It's not like because I like one thing better than the other. I just get infatuated with things and I just fucking get, I go, I go deep. So this is an infatuation. That's more than work. That's love, man. I love life. I love what I do. Going back years, I was at Vice when you were doing Fuck That's Delicious. That was again like a, a TV program where I don't know if you have positive associations with the word hedonism. Hedonism. I have tremendous fucking allure for that word. I learned about hedonism when I was young. One of my friend's mothers went away to hedonism and we didn't know what the fuck it was. That's a thing in Jamaica where they all fuck. It was like a gathering in, in the grill. I wish I was there. When you learned more about a word, the way that you understand it now, do you think that you're a hedonist? In all kinds of ways, absolutely. I'm kind of intrigued by it, right? Because you, you talk about this in a book, but it's also, I mean, you're looking great, by the way. And like, it's a lot of work. I mean, when you work out, you don't just like, you don't just do 50 push-ups a day. Like, you go for it. Like, you're, you're, you're pushing it really hard. Do you think that it's the same impulse? Right, that, that same drive that pushes you to the gym is the same thing that pushes you to the studio, is the same thing that pushes you to write. It's called mana, you know? It's mana. It's what's within you. I was born with a strong will. My spirit is strong. So I'll always do and go to the furthest extents to do what I, you know, what I feel in my heart. Everybody's mana is different. I know at this point in my life, 
I have an unbroken will. In my mind, I know that I could get through anything. It's unconscious, but it's also built. It's built through experience. A lot of people talk shit, but they've never been through anything. I'm almost 40 years old. Been around the block a couple times. You didn't come into this industry until pretty late. You knew more about yourself when you came into this industry than say like, you're on tour right now with Earl. And like, that's a guy who came into this really young, had to figure himself out as he went. He's the same age as I am, right? When I started, you know, he's like 27, 28. Like I didn't start doing that shit till then. And, you know, he's been thrust in in a, in a large, in a large manner, you know? And you saw the tolls that it took on him. It's public, you know? And he's different now. He's growing up and he's changing and he took all those as experiences. And that, you know, people need to go through things. In the industry, when you're around a guy like Earl, do you see yourself as like a, I guess an elder statesman. I mean, do you do you see yourself as like a mentor? Do you want to share your experiences with, with that generation? I just lead by example. We all have talks. I, you know, I don't, I don't son anybody. I don't treat anyone as if I'm like, because I'm still, to me, I'm the same age as him. You know, like, you can't tell me I'm older. I'm still with the grooves, you know what I mean? I just lead by example, you know. I, I, I hold a certain type of mystique when I'm around as do other people, but you know, my mystique is, you know, I, I'm just me, it's me. When I say it's me, I mean it. You wrote in, in a book about, you know, your upbringing, being sort of battle hardened by an immigrant upbringing as well, being half Albanian, being half Jewish, and just like having this sort of like- Like Albanian and Jewish. It's, I'm just like a fucking European mutt, you know? Half Albanian, half fucking Latvian, Russian, whatever, Hungarian, there was a mixture back then. I don't take much to religion. I believe in the universe and myself. Queens, growing up in, in, in a diverse environment, hardens you just like the animal kingdom. You fucking grow a tail when you're around water. You grow fins, you lose the fucking hands and legs. You adapt, everything happens. Everything happens wherever you're put at. You either adapt or you don't. Survival of the fittest. I guess there's a long history of like New York rap being influenced by that kind of diversity, whether it be film, food, just like, just a shitload of influences, just like being thrown into one place. It started, it's born here. There was like, everything is a spawn of what was from here, you know? And just growing up, born in 83, I'm born in that, you know, I was just talking to my man. He's like, he, he identifies more with like whatever he called Generation X, like the older people who are like 60s and shit like that. Cause we grew up talking to our grandparents and talking to older people and grow and hanging out with older people. We had our crew, but would also be mentored by the older people in the park. So it's just like being outside. We didn't have all this bullshit to fucking take our attention spans away and to fucking make us weirdos. You know, we went outside and interacted with people, interacted with other human beings and went to eat dinner at other families' houses and they came to eat at my house. Exchanges of words and knowing each other's parents, shit like that, that doesn't happen anymore. And you used to have to call or you used to have to go and knock on the door to see if someone would come outside or yell out the window and they'd answer you, throwing things out the window to each other. It's like, those days are obsolete. Just playing outside and then being called home from the window. 
It's just times change. I'm intrigued by that, right? I mean, as a dad, right? You've got kids who you're like shepherding through the world in that same way. You know the world has changed. You know that things are different. Do you, do you want to give them like that little, like a flavor of what you had when you were growing up? Whether that be something as straightforward as like, like I'm, I'm from an immigrant family as well. And my mom would not let me be picky with food when I was a kid. She just wouldn't. Like if I was like, oh, I don't want to eat olives. She was like, shut the fuck up. You're eating olives. Like, I don't care. Do you try and impart some of that onto your kids? Like that little taste of what you had? You have to, it's not me. They're not me. You know, your kids are not you, so you can't have full control. Just like, I'm not, I'm not that type of guy. I just think that everyone walks their own path. You could lead everybody, you, you know, you set certain situations and boundaries and, you know, you don't want, I don't want them to grow up exactly how I did. You know, I had an amazing childhood, no doubt, but I want them to have their childhood. I want them to have their experience. I don't want to, I don't want to have to like fabricate shit. Just before then you were saying the book was essential to you in bringing about change. Without that, you, you wouldn't have been able to change. So what was the main difference between the Action Bronson who started writing that book and the one who finished writing it? Discipline. Simple as that. You'd had discipline before though. You had discipline. You had, you'd had periods of discipline. What was it that like made this stick? I had discipline in certain things. I didn't have love for myself. It wasn't self-discipline. I was disciplined in the actions and certain activities and executions of things and worrying more about that when the main thing is my vessel. You got to take care of the fucking mothership, the fathership. So what was it about that process? Though? I mean, you said you were reminiscing about all these things. And one of the cool things about a book is seeing you kind of figure shit out as you go and like work out ideas as you go. It's because that's because it's all written, I dictated it, everything in vocal, and everything I said was written just as is. It wasn't changed to fit to this. So there's times where it makes zero sense because I talk crazy sometimes. But you're talking that stuff through with yourself effectively, right? I mean, it's not a million miles of therapy, like old school therapy where you're, you're talking to someone and like, they might not talk back for an entire hour. I mean, that's what you're doing on like the voice notes on your phone, basically. I can't do that. I can't talk into a phone. I have to tell somebody. So I had my friend, Rachel Wharton, who was amazing. She's a two times New York Times bestselling author, as well as I am. She made everything easy for me. It's easy to talk to a person that you like. And I'm not the type, I can't, I hate doing like videos on my phone, like for Instagram, like where I could talk. I have to talk into it without anyone around. I'm just talking to the phone. I feel like a fucking idiot. I discard it. I do it again. I laugh at myself constantly. It's, you know, it's like, it's comical at this point. So I always like to talk to somebody. That gets the most out of me. I don't talk to myself. Not out loud. So when you're talking to Rachel, right, you're going through this process, you're opening yourself up in a way that like, you haven't necessarily on your records. I mean, it's a whole different thing. Like, what is it I'm trying to figure out? Like, what, what that, that thing is in that process specifically that's so different, that, that turns you into a different person, basically? That's for you to fucking search for. I'm not going to be giving you the damn answer over here. I don't know. You know, for me, it's unconscious. I'm not, rap, rap for me is not a, the same thing as the book. It's not the same shit. Rap for me is art. It's wittiness. It's playing with words. It's not telling my life story in the streets or this. That For me, that's not the type of rap I like. In spurts, I do. I like more, I like artistic avant-garde stuff, to be honest. And that's just my taste. Art as well, just like 
physical art, painting, sculpture. It's all, it's my eye. It's my eye that I love. Let's go to Coco Drillo Turbo then, right? You said one thing is important about this record and it comes up in a video for Sub-Zero. It's kind of laced in the record is, it's like you talk about your love for water. You tell me a bit more about that and like what that means on this record, like what it means to, to you and like, how does that find its way into this record? It's, it's not so like, it's not so literal. I'm, I'm, I mean, we are water, but bro, fucking Coco Drillo Turbo. That's what they call me when I'm on the bodyboard. I lay head first and I'm a fucking predator. I'm, a, I'm an apex predator, death rolling on the wave. Running through the woods, I dropped my nine in the snow. Ten feet deep like a pile of the blow. Had to choke a motherfucker on the side of the road. I could feel my blood boil, man, I'm out of control. Wet suit thick so I can shred when it's ice. Then lay in bed with your wife. Get mad head from your wife. Then get out of bed with your wife. Cause I don't cut the bread with a knife. I rip it like a man supposed to. Leather jacket, Mickey Mantle poster. Rock bottom through the buffet. Chicken wings flying every motherfucking witch away. Hash burning while a motherfucker switching lanes. My pants rip away. Uh. <laughs> I think the main thing that I can associate with Action Bronson now in like 2022, after the book, with this new album, it's confidence, right? It's just, it's pure, just fucking. Machismo. Do you think it's machismo? Nah, just, you know, a lot of testosterone. That's what happens when you start doing squats. You start, your shorts start getting a little shorter, a little tighter. Shirts start getting a little tighter. Start feeling yourself a little more. <laughs> no, but I, like I said, for, like I always say, I've always had confidence, but I feel like it, now it's genuine. I like I said, I'm just comfortable in my own skin. That's the that's where the confidence is. It's not like cockiness or overconfidence or some fucking douchey shit. I just I know me. I think at this point I know me, and that's just I don't know how it. It's, there's no, there's no sugarcoating anything. It's just who I am. It's me. You know that you should be considered among the greats, right? Like you would be. I mean, it would, it would be weird if you, if you didn't think that. You, you, and you say that out loud, and then. Well, I mean, for me, that's competition-wise. When I, when if we're talking competition-wise, I'm a fucking animal. I want to win everything. There's no doubt. But I know winning isn't everything. So I'm also balanced. I know winning isn't everything and nothing like that type of thing. I don't need verification from anybody to define me or my career or who I am because I'm confident. And I know that the proof is in the pudding. Like, I don't even have to... Motherfuckers can say what they want. They're not selling 6,000 people shows out. They're not doing successful things. They're not... I, I, you can see who was around 12 years ago when I started and who's around now still being productive and being considered in any realm. Not many people. I don't need to point these things out, you know, but sometimes I feel like you do because the ones that are always shouting from the rally, I'm the best, I'm the fucking one. They, people seem to understand that, but I'm, I'm a blue collar fucking, I'm a, I'm a blue collar type of guy with that, in that sense. I'm not going to fucking be all up in your face telling you how I'm the greatest in the world. I just know I am in my mind in the sense of like, not like I'm the fucking best, but that's how I attack my art, you know? But not from a cocky sense. It's hard, you know, I don't want it to come off where I'm saying, you know, you understand what I mean? Attack it with that sensibility that you, that you're putting your best foot forward, not that I'm just, I'm the best that's ever done anything in life. Cause that's the type of shit that I don't like. But I attack my art 
with the confidence of I'm fucking at the top of the mountain, even though I might not be. It's not unearned confidence. It's something that you've earned, right? I've been around and I've done a lot of fucking things. I've done lots of things, lots of different things. I've transformed, I've come back, I keep going. That's prehistoric, ancient shit, and that's what I am. I'm gonna be around forever. The thing about the, the crocodile, right, is that like it basically hasn't evolved in uh, millennia because it hasn't needed to, because it's just like the ultimate killing machine. Because it's perfectly made. It's perfect. It's not just a perfect killing machine. It's perfectly made for its habitat. It's alien-esque. The chambers of the heart, the way that it's constructed, the different features. That's something you relate to then? I relate to nature. I'm derived from nature. You talked a lot in, in your music and in life about like the influence of psychedelics on your work and on you as a person. How important is that to you now? Because you were talking about communing with nature a little bit. Like how, how much of a part does that play in you now? I mean, it's, once again, it's however you feel. It's when you're feeling it. Mushrooms are a big part of my life because I love them. Psychedelics, when, when necessary, my heart tells me when. I'm not an abuser. It sings to me and it calls me and then I, and I answer the call. Do you work on the occasions when you do that? Do you find yourself like genuinely writing or, or like do you go to the studio or is it just something where you just have to completely disconnect from that? It's all kinds of different situations. There's nothing that's set, nothing set in stone. Each time finds you in a different situation. There's been times where I've had some amazing ideas, you know, and lots of good things come from it. But a lot of times you're just fucking having a good time, embracing it, enjoying it. I don't like to be around too much fuck shit. I don't like to be around too many weird people. You just sit in nature and you enjoy. So you're in the city right now. You're going back out on tour. Like, you got like a whole bunch more dates with Earl and Alchemist, right? Yep. And Baldy James. It's an incredible lineup. I mean, like, what's it been like getting back out, number one, with a bunch of like, musicians you respect but also just like seeing people again like seeing the whites of your audience's eyes again what's that been like i was always good i was always i was ready since it's fucking all this bullshit started i don't give a fuck i'm always ready a little bit more caution obviously because you know someone coughing on you and shit touching you but other than that it's all good shows have been phenomenal traveling has been amazing nice and easy that's it. Just enjoying it. Doing it smart. All right. That's beautiful. Well, look, I'm going to let you go. But before I do, next, next season, any hope with the next at all? We always have hope. I always hold out hope. My glasses runneth over with hope. That was Action Bronson talking to the Fader. Action Bronson's new album, Coco Drillo Turbo, is out tomorrow, April 29th, via Loma Vista. The Fader interview is engineered by Tony Giambroni. The executive producer is Alex Robert Ross, and the associate producer is Raphael Helfand. We'd like to thank Lauten Audio for providing our microphones. You can find them online at lautenaudio.com. And we'd like to thank James Ivey for providing our intro music. If you enjoyed today's episode, we appreciate if you left a five-star rating and review. If you like listening to The Fader, good news. We're now on the new live radio app, AMP. Download it from the App Store and check out our shows with the access code FADER on AMP. That's all one word. And keep an eye on thefader.com for essential music news, interviews, and essays. We'll be back soon with another episode of The Fader Interview.
Goodbye until then. <laughs>